Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Episode. Hey, we're Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. So I think we have some splaining to do. Okay, let's let's splain. This episode and the episode we just put out, and probably the next two episodes after this, we recorded in April of, of, of 2023. Yeah, uh, with our good friend and longtime friend Jamie Senna. Um, and then we just took we just decided to take a break. Yeah, we chilled. I mean, I think we did a bunch of in between episodes. Well, we had to finish the other yeah. book. We were busy, but yeah, yeah, it was just our schedule got kind of messed up. But our review of the five love languages has been waiting in the wings yeah. that I just thought we should probably explain because there may be some information in there that seems like it's a little off. I don't know. I appreciate that part. Now that you are a born again Christian. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And you and Blaine... I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? Well, um, he's. Uh, I can't even. Yeah, but it's, it's seminal. We're talking about seminal fluid, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a reference to seminal fluid. By the way, speaking of, um, I was very grateful to Jamie for inadvertently coining a new term. What was that? Well, in the beginning of the last episode, um, we asked if she had any precom. What? <laughs> it turns out she did have a precom. A pre- Sorry, pre-comment. Oh, but we're but now but we're shortening it down to pre com. Yeah. So along with like, revelation, what are the other? <laughs> I mean, now I'm thinking of when she said Dick's got a blow. Dick's well, yeah, but that's a little more on the nose. Yeah, if you don't move your head quick enough. <laughs> uh, when did you become absolutely I don't know. disgusting, filthy, Vera? I don't know. I just... I'm just trying to say that we now we have the option of acknowledging comments that come before okay and those are pre-coms yeah okay so if you have some pre-com to yeah yeah you can even say it faster if you want like just pre-com yeah pre-com okay you can say pre-com you can stop saying it (laughs) you can stop saying it we have a show we do have a show coming up on the 21st oh the rudy cassoni show at dynasty typewriter with toby huss and mark fight and james urbaniak who else i don't know who else is on the show but and then Kate Flannery and Scott Robinson used to do it as the lampshades. I don't. I don't think Scott moved it. away. Should we mention all the people who used to do it? Yeah, who <laughs> you will not see. <laughs> Tom Lennon, not will not, not be there. Be. Pat Healy, Pat Healy will <gasps> be doing it. Oh, he will. Yes. Okay. Larry Silverpants himself. All right. One more thing. Yep. You and I just photographed ourselves. We did. We did our yearly holiday card photo shoot. The last six years, they've all happened and m- before. Wait, every year? They uh, happen in our living spaces. And if you guys don't know what the postcard is, by the way, Barbara and I, we photograph ourselves for a Christmas or a holiday postcard every year, and then we send out hundreds of physical postcards. You, listener, could actually get one if you sent us your snail mail to datyladies at gmail.com. And unfortunately, this year, I don't think we're going to have a P.O. box. So if you would like to send us your holiday card, go you ahead can and take a snapshot take a of it. Take a photo of it. We'll print it out and hang them around our home. Yeah, you can email that to uh, datyladies at yes. gmail.com. We will, d- we will print them out. Yeah, we, we love will. holiday cards. We do. We do. Yeah. Send us something. Okay. Like money. Um, we have a Venmo. Yeah, and a no, cash no, we, app. no, no. We have cash app. We don't have Venmo. It's dollar sign daily ladies. Yeah, it is. Yes, and as always, please find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us five stars. <laughs> yeah, and a written review. 
because it's the holidays. Yeah, get us a gift, a five-star gift. And we want to know you're out there listening. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, right, so. On with the episode. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. So my gut for Vera says that words of affirmation wouldn't cut it for you because you're a language person and I think you so keenly understand what's behind language. Not that super thoughtful compliment couldn't be perceived positively. I think it absolutely would. But I do think that you start off going, what's going on? Like what's, <laughs> what's, what's going on here? And so I just don't think that that cuts it because you, you really get a sense in the book that it's like, if that's your jam, it's your jam, like to the nth degree. And I felt like what I've been hearing you say here in some other conversations is kind of a mix of like the quality part of quality time. Like I feel like quality time is like, man, but like quality can connection, quality conversation, like depth is really important because I think artifice is like really difficult for you to stomach in any way. And I think acts of service too, because, you know, you were talking about like with the cats and, you know, just how you take care of people all day and like you want to be taken care of. And so I think like that combination of like, okay, you're getting something that as small as it is, is like an insight into some really deep feeling is going to be 10 times more valuable than just someone saying, you you look nice or you're smarter. I like your writing. Jamie has nailed it quite a bit there. Quality time is the first thing that sort of comes to mind. Like when Blaine and I connect, it's because we are just the two of us together. And it doesn't matter if we're watching a movie at home or if we go out to dinner. And then acts of service, Blaine did my laundry the other day. We have separate laundry dating back to when his was covered in cat hair. Um, We still do separate laundry. And I left mine out by the door to do. And he he did it before I woke up. And I almost cried. Like I did not want to get out of bed that morning because I knew I had laundry waiting for me. Also, I've asked him to start using my reusable Starbucks cup and when he did it the first time again it's like I just was gushing to him I'm like thank you so much for doing this because I wanted you to do it and you did it and it it really made my world like I was just I felt so seen and so heard and it was dumb I mean it's like it's a cup it gets me 25 bonus points or whatever at Starbucks but I wanted him to do it and he did it and that so you completely nailed me thank you well, I, I feel seen oh well I was just <laughs> gonna say I think the thread that that's a good cap on it I think the thread with the two of you in the way you're describing but I'm sure with me too is visibility those are two totally different ways but like Barbara when you're talking about like a gift when I'm not there means that I was visible to you without having to be in front of you like it's someone's carrying you around with them when Blaine is going and taking your cup to Starbucks he's carrying you around with them that's all we want it's like hey just like someone make a little nook in their heart for us and you know I think that's really meaningful and I think women struggle with that so you know, even though we have different love languages, we all have the same little seed on the inside. <laughs> so now that we're done crying, what are we going to Well, the first thing that really, in this book, that really caught my eye was the talk about love tanks. This is on the beginning of chapter two. And I love the love tank uh, idea. The love tank needs to be full before you can uh, feel, you know, fully attracted to your partner and like fully invested in the relationship and your love tank can be on empty if you're not getting what you want from somebody if, for example, they're using the wrong love languages, according to this book. Like somebody can, you know, give you rose after rose after rose, but it's not filling up your love tank. I like one sentence. The first sentence I underlined is, much of the misbehavior of children is motivated by the cravings of an empty love tank, which I see a lot with my kid. Like if he's not being paid attention to, that's when the misbehaving starts. And my theory, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, is that adults are just, well, you already said it. You already said adults are just children with like more money 
money, right? Yeah. I'm not so sure that people ever really grow up. I think everybody start. everybody to me kind of looks like half a child. Well, your brain develops and you have to have a lot more responsibility, but I don't think your personality changes. Yeah, I think you're always like that little person. And we get excited about things like, I, you know, I, I just talked to somebody today. I said, I'm 46 years old and the cure is coming. And <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Like I was, I was 16 and the same thing happened. And I think I have about the same level of excitement. Like I'm never going to be a boring old person because I'm such a weird middle-aged person now. I'm just going to get weirder and sillier. And, and so, yeah, I think in that way we kind of don't grow up. Well, I mean, we've also given ourselves permission to not have to be old, you know, which reminds me of Robert Smith, who said when he was 39 or whatever 36 if I am 40 and still wearing makeup and big hair shoot me basically was what he said (laughs) and now he's pushing 70 good for you Robert but yeah we have such expectations for ourselves when we're not 40 (laughs) and they're so stupid no, I'm six years younger than Betty White when she started Golden Girls. I just really? looked that up and I was like, shit, <laughs> this is, but, but it's so fascinating because that's what we expected people <laughs> to be at 52 years old. This one was 52. And I was like, no, I'm not even remotely going to be, you're going to have to really write something interesting for me to be an older woman living in Miami. You're going to have to figure out how I have pleather pants on. I I don't know what to tell you. But I I love that. I really want to hold on to that. And I I think that, yeah, I don't don't think that changes with age. And I, I think our love languages, we're just finding like better words for the same shit that we needed when we were 16. Yeah. And we're allowed to, though. Like, also, I think maybe these couples that I'm picturing in this book from 1992, they don't have permission to be who they really are anymore. The main thing is that they're married. They're a husband and wife and then everything else. A lot of them are, it mentions that they got married, like, right out of high school. They're very young. They've been married for 16 years, but they're 22, which is weird. Yeah, that's weird. There's, wait, there's something on page, um, 31. He gives a lot of really pedestrian examples of like what couples would fight about. Welcome to the real world of marriage where hairs are always on the sink and little white spots cover the mirror. And I, you know, I just remember like, um, there was like one of those mirrors that come out with the arm, the crinkle arm thing. And then there's like the, it has like the magnifying thing that you pull out from the wall. And I really, in one relationship, my partner would floss his teeth on it, you know, like, like just directly onto the, yeah, 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 exactly. And this is where I would look at my face really closely. So I could like pluck my um, eyebrow hairs. And my love language at that time was like, please don't do this really fucking disgusting thing. (laughs) If you find it funny, you can laugh. Or are you trying? Are you throwing up? (laughs) And you know what? Um, (laughs) There was a day when I literally pulled it off of the wall and threw it in the garbage because I could not look at his fucking tartar. In that mirror, one more day. The same thing with hairs. I mean, I little hairs everywhere, like especially after like a little haircutting thing or I'm like talking, a beard trim. I'm talking about my own hairs. My bathroom floor, if I don't, uh, Barbara, first of all, you have two bathrooms. Neither one of them have an inch of hair. And I mean like an inch up, not an inch, a square inch. <laughs> If I don't tend to the hair on my bathroom floor, like on a, you know, everyday basis, there is so much fucking hair on the floor. How do you keep your bathroom so clean? Because I'm an obsessive cleaner. <laughs> Wait, so you have to clean. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Right, sorry. Whatever. That's, that's right. the, um, my house would fall apart. Three six-year-olds in this house? Like once a day, I just sort of like bend down and just sort of drag my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of drag it around the floor. And then I just like, 
like that, but that there, you know. And then you, you you gestured as if to wipe it on the wall. Is that right? <laughs> is this pre kitten? <laughs> pre kitten. It's it's just. It's, I had a boyfriend who said like, "Are you sick? Because the floor is covered in your hair." I'm like, "Yeah, you're a fucking asshole, and you make me really nervous and unhappy, and that's why my hair is falling out." I didn't say that, but that was what I should have said that or no? Y- you should have called you, him an asshole. You absolutely should have. <laughs> Should we move on to the next chapter? This is just a really loose, you know, it's a short book. If you want to buy it, great. So we're going to go to chapter four, unless you have something. Chapter four, words of affirmation, love language number one. So words of affirmation, there's, oh, there's different kinds. There's encouraging words. There are kind words, humble words. Oh, well, it, it does say on page 40, I'm not suggesting verbal flattery in order to get your spouse to do something you want. So he- I, ha- I have underlined the object, which is the next sentence. The object of love is not getting something you want, but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. Despite that, the first thing that still came to mind was verbal flattery. Insincere. Yeah, I had a note, too, about some of the direction uh, for people who, who maybe this isn't the most, they don't have the muscle memory yet of giving these kinds of words of affirmation. He says, you may also want to try giving indirect words of affirmation that is saying positive things about your spouse when he or she is not present. Eventually, someone will tell your spouse and you will get full credit for your love. There's a lot of like scores and make sure you do this in front of old father-in-law. And what did you think of that? I'm going to say what I thought about it. And then I'm going to say the next note that I wrote. So my first thought was that feels manipulative as fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the next page, I wrote, I'm being judgy sad face. Some people need to be told directly like this. And that is okay. Not everybody has the same emotional, the same EQ. So for me, uh, as someone who like intuitively kind of gets that, like, yeah, just say nice things about people, because it's nice to do that. Not everybody does that. And these books exist. I mean, I think, I think a lot of it is overly prescriptive, because some people just need an actual lesson plan. Like it's like arithmetic, almost that they need to be taught that. So I've been trying to balance not reacting like bleh, every well, time may- I read that. Maybe we should think of ourselves in 1992. Like that was not a time when you just, when you told your friends you loved them. It was not a time when you gave up compliments because that's like, it was weird. Like you just wouldn't do it. Like that's not the way we were. Because we were teenagers. I don't know. It's like, if you give a compliment to someone, I think everyone was like a lot more insecure. It just wasn't culturally like the way women are now. Um, I, I do. I love this wife who goes, um, it's about taking out the garbage. How boring is that? If he takes the garbage out, say, Dan, I want you to know that I really appreciate your taking the garbage out. Don't say about time you took the garbage out. The flies were going to carry it out for you. I mean, I find that hilarious. <laughs> the flies were going to carry it out for you. <laughs> but also a little scary. <laughs> Barbara Ann, when I tell you, <laughs> when I read that, I got so mad. Um, I, I I wish I could I, I could readily go back to where I was. I was like, so on top of all of this, I have to be precious as fuck about the fact that I would prefer flies to not be coming out of the garbage bag. Like, there is... There is a lot to being a woman and there is a lot to being seen, like, as not being argumentative and not being bitchy. But flies <laughs> fuck right off like no i'm not sometimes you're gonna get the stick and not the carrot <laughs> clean your shit pig pen like i just i don't for whatever reason that really pressed my button i that's funny when i when i read that i did not register the fact that i mean i thought it was a funny saying but you're right she's saying there are flies. There are actual <laughs> flies <laughs> Not, not cute flies or actual flies. Do you know that every time Blaine takes the garbage out or one of us washes the dishes, we thank the other one? 
And it's basically like part of it's going, thank you for doing this. And part of it's going, thank you for not having me do this. But we mean it like we mean it sincerely. Like, and we definitely have this weird rhythm where it's like the dishes will pile up and then someone will do it and then they'll pile up again and the other person will do it. And especially if somebody's done it twice in a row, like they get a lot of thanks for that. But that's like a natural thing because we appreciate that somebody did it so we don't have to. Mm, I get that. Yeah. So, so Vera, I think that there are relationships that I have been in myself where doing the dishes was not a thing. Cleaning the floor was not a thing that anyone would do but me. He explains in this book that a lot of it is um, you do not examine how you were raised. So the way you were raised is what you, with your Christian parents probably is what he's picturing with traditional roles in the house. The dad worked, the mom did all the other stuff. And so if you don't examine where you got your role models from, you're just going to expect that things are going to be the exact same, even though you were married to someone who's, who's a different human being than your mother. So he says, examine, examine what your childhood was like. And I think that was really smart. It, here's a line that says, research has indicated that the average individual listens for only 17 seconds before interrupting and interjecting their own idea. So I just want to say that. What? <laughs> now you're looking at me? Because you interrupted me? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wait, love language number two, quality time. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, oh, no. You okay, can't. Because remember, Vera makes really funny jokes and sometimes we don't <laughs> highlight them in the podcast. And you were so proud of your 20. Oh my God. Can you come to every podcast now? Thank you. Vera, I thank you, Jamie. I'm acknowledging now that you are very funny. I really... I would like to acknowledge that I didn't get it right away either. <laughs> I was like, wait, did she interrupt? That was a polite... <gasps> Vera's a Shit. thinker. No, she's got these thinkers that she presents. We call them joke grenades because <laughs> yes. you lob them and then it's a little like, what is, is something? Oh, shit. <laughs> that it's too late. It's too funny. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. Does anyone have anything before page 62? I got um, page 67, baby, so you're first. Okay, on page 62, my note was, every book will tell you this. Now I realize that she didn't want advice when she told me about her struggles at work. She wanted sympathy. She wanted me to listen, to give her attention, to let her know I could understand the hurt, the stress, the pressure. She wanted to know that I love her and I was with her. And that's just like, I'm, I'm really pleased every time I read this because it is in every single self-help book and still people do not understand to shut your fucking trap when someone is telling you their problems. There is no that I know who wants advice when they don't ask for it and me included I just want to jump in and help somebody and save them and all that my mom and I laugh about this now because our dynamic is like I get a sentence out and she's got a solution for me and I know that I do this to other people too but just don't question this shut the fuck up when someone is telling you their problems yeah that is that is such well-tread territory that I'm always surprised when you see someone hearing it like they're hearing it for the first time yeah. going, oh, that to me is some women be shopping kind of basic ass the difference between quote unquote you know men and women a lot of a lot of it and it's not just men and women but this idea of like people are coming to you because they generally are looking for empathy mm -hmm. if they're looking for solutions they will be very explicit about what they're asking mm -hmm. and I'm constantly surprised that like 20 30 years later we're seeing people go oh I thought you wanted me to fix it and like yeah. you can't fucking fix it mm -hmm. like just just make me feel not like awful for complaining about which is, it which is part of I mean if you want to fix it if you want to help be supportive right and be supportive by being quiet I'm sorry or to keep just, going back to that but. or just say I'm sorry you know I'm sorry you're going through this that's all you need to say often that's all anybody wants is again to be seen to be heard all right yeah. you got something on 67 huh well I love that we are split up in our communication styles between Dead Seas and babbling brooks. <laughs> and I date almost exclusively Dead Seas and I am a babbling fucking brook. I literally wrote next to it, it's me, hi. <laughs> 
it says they just whatever enters their field of vision they just gotta yap about it and they're so excited i was like oh my god did you see that sign oh my god do you see that guy over there you see that dog that's all i want to do and i do love that in the beginning it's so exciting because it's so exotic to this other person it makes this real um opposites attract and eventually you're just like i'm really lonely over here being the only person that's observing all the dogs and they're like i never observed the dog why do you expect me to observe the dog now so even though i felt initially i was like fuck you and your babbling brooks i'm not a babbling brook i'm like well of the two That's so interesting because I'm not and I've never really talked to anyone who is a babbling brook to hear them with to describe it with insight. Like I'm very fascinated by that personality type. So would you consider yourself a dead sea or do you feel like this is woefully underdeveloped? Oh, no, no. I mean, there's only two options. As he says, no, I used to be a Dead Sea. It was as boring as fuck for me. I mean, it took the pressure off because I thought everything I said was stupid. So that was great. I didn't have to say anything. And also another benefit is the people I was with would just, they read into me whatever they wanted to see. So that made them feel great about themselves. And actually I existed like that for a very long time, like type of thing. And now I'm, you know, I'm a lot more balanced and I get really bored when like someone is talking nonstop. And I find Dead Seas really difficult to be around because it's like you put it out there and you don't get something back but you're okay with that you know well the way that they the the way that he describes it was a little different because that was my initial take on it and I was like no that's that's a fucking drag that's a black hole Mm -hmm. like I guess the 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 idea of the Dead Sea is that the Sea of Galilee flows into it by way of the River Jordan and that it receives it interacts in its way but it's not really flushing back and it's like there is a way where you go oh my gosh this person is not just like hearing me because boo who cares someone's just you know just hearing you but they're listening they seem interested and they're engaged they're they're receiving what you're giving and so it can kind of feel like you're you're sharing something with someone who maybe doesn't have that experience and they're excited to experience it with you you know something just because we're we've been friends for such a long time I think you you're being a dead sea I always took as like mystery and like I I just thought that it was such a like a cool seductive quality and I was like Everybody loves Barbara because she's so quiet and she's so mysterious. And I'd never, this is so stupid because it's 20 plus years later, but it just like didn't occur to me for a long time to be like, oh, she's nervous about how people are going to see her. I was like, this is, this, this is all so well within her control. And she's just like perfectly curating this thing. And I've heard you through the podcast and I've, it's so funny because I've known you, you both for so long, but I, I get to know you on this different level because of because of this podcast, which I'm so grateful for. And I just look back and I want to like time travel and go talk to like baby me and be like, you had your head so far up your ass. You didn't understand where anybody was coming from. I was so in a bubble of my own insecurity. I thought everybody had it like down perfectly. No, I felt the same way. Yeah. And it's, I felt the same way. And it's sad, but I, I just, I'm appreciative, but I just, Wow. Like, it's interesting to look back and go, oh, I I got it really wrong. Yeah, because we would never have talked that vulnerably. I will say I noticed that it worked, so I kept doing it. I did recognize that it served me, you know, and there was there was an element of it where I was like, oh, I get the things I want, but it wasn't. I w- much rather prefer being true to myself now and expressing that, even though the results aren't nearly as um, bountiful. You put people off when you're yourself sometime. So, yeah, I mean, I, it got me, you know, attention that I enjoyed, but it didn't feel well, and it probably wasn't fulfilling in the same way. No. I, you know, we were talking about like 
being friends as young women versus now. And I feel like for me anyway, I think I just saw everything as such a zero sum game. Like I want to compliment somebody or I want to be happy for them, but that's just proof that that's not going to happen for me. Oh, they found this great person or, oh, they have this amazing opportunity. That means that there's one less good opportunity for me. And now I feel like all of our friendships as women, and I think this is going, this this is influencing younger women too. It's such fucking bullshit. There is no zero sum. Like the more of us out there having opportunities and being successful creates more opportunities and romance and career. And I just like, oh, I just want to go back and like scoop us all up and be like, you sweet dummies. I know. It wasn't so bad. (laughs) Or actually, no, it was trash, and we could have just been way nicer to each other. We had a lot of fun, though. That's what I'm saying. We, it is a mir- Sometimes I think it's a miracle that we escaped relatively unscathed. I just think about all the dummies in vinyl pants who would like be like, "Do you want to come over to my house and like come party with us?" And we we're like, yeah, "Yeah, we should do yeah. that." Yeah, we're really young. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, should we pile into the back of your car in one car? Yeah, yeah. should we all do that? Okay, while, while the driver who drank a little bit less. Yeah. Um, well, he was older, so he could right. carry it better. <laughs> I mean, he was you know twenty two. We were nineteen or yeah. so. So we didn't drink that much because it would get awkward at the bar. You know what I mean? Like handing over the drinks. Which those really- expensive drinks? Though, yeah, I know they were like three dollars for a vodka. When you could get a bottle of Boone's Farm Hell for $2. Yes. Which we often did and drank in the car. Yeah. With a straw. My, my love language is <laughs> listening to The Cure in the back of Matt's car with a bottle of Boone's Farm. <laughs> oh, God, I just had a memory. Oh, well, it was just that we used to go clubbing twice a week. <laughs> I don't know how we did that. Like, Monday and Wednesdays? Well, sometimes three because so there was Control <laughs> Factory on Monday. Yes. There was Helter, Helter on, on Wednesday. Wednesday. And then there was Stigmata on Friday. Where did Perversion fall into all this? Well, so f- Perversion was on Saturdays. Okay. And then that was at a different venue. Those The other ones were, um, what was it? It was Hollywood and Highland or yeah. The Probe? Was it? The name never, it didn't matter know. what the name was. <laughs> it was the place where underage enough <laughs> counts. We were out a lot. We, oh my God, seriously, we would do that. Matt and I would drive from Orange County. We'd go to North Hollywood. We'd scoop you up. We'd go to the club. Then we'd go to Denny's a lot of the time and then go back, drop you off, go home. And I would take a no dose and go to work no the next morning. Like Which is trucker speed. Trucker right? speed. No, yeah. those are mini thins. Oh, oh mini thins. What am I talking about? No, they were definitely mini thins. And yeah, and I did, and that was a diet. Yeah, I mean, it, dancing, it worked. Oh. <laughs> Boone's Farm, Denny's, and a mini bin. Oh, so great. Oh, Love but- language. <laughs>